Hello everyone out there in podcast land, this is Severin Henderson and Ambrosia. And welcome to another episode of Designated Drinkers, the podcast where we dive deep into drinking one libation at a time. Today's podcast, well before we get into what the podcast is going to be brought to you about, let's talk about our slight name change. Yeah, we, uh, we've made some uh, realizations. Right, we slept little too long on designated drinkers and we had some people come through and do what they're supposed to do and took our name <laughs> we got it in 2014 right exactly we bought the website we bought we got all the demand we got we got everything the socials everything the yeah and but then we had life it, exactly happen in between exactly it, it it happens i mean it's not the it's not the end of the world so what we have done here, we are keeping all of our socials the same and our way for you to send us feedback. We'll give you that right here at the top of the episode and again at the back. But if you want to check us out online, it's going to be at www.designateddrinkerspodcast.com. And if you'd like to email us for feedback, the podcast name for well, the info, the email information is designated drinkers podcast at gmail.com. So, with that being said, what's the name of our new show? OG. OG. OGDD. <laughs> the original designated drinkers. That's what we're going to call ourselves on for podcast purposes, just so that you can reach out and catch us and find us and get to us. Whenever you can, we'll give you that information again, like I said, at the back of the episode. But for now, we're just going to call ourselves the OGDD. OGDD? OGDD. It okay. rolls off the tongue. It's beautiful. I know. It, it, it. I love it. It goes along with drinking. So Exactly. With, without further ado, let's get into the guest that we have here today. Today, we have Peter Johnson, and he is representing Ryan Hall Brandy. So, Ambrosia, you want to give him a quick... Rundown of what Ryan Hall Brandy is before Peter gives us his. Absolutely. Uh, so Ryan Hall is a brandy distillery here in Chicago, and uh, it is very exciting for me. As, as you all will learn very quickly, I am a brandy drinker. Uh, I think I've already referenced brandy at least 10 times in in past episodes. Uh, and when I was on Department 3C, which is Severance Podcast, yep. check it out. Yep. Uh, but to have a Brandy Distillery here in Chicago is amazing. Uh, I've uh, I've gone down and, and helped out a bit with a crush, uh, but Brandy Distilleries didn't really start popping up back around until 1982 when you had the uh, craft distillation sort of movement. You have St. George that popped up and a, a bunch of other folks over on the West Coast. Um, so to see this here in Chicago is it just it warms my heart, and so does Brandy. But I'm going to let Peter describe it more. Uh, yeah, P- my name is Peter, I'm distiller at Ryan Hall. We've been there as a distillery for about eight years. I've been there for four. Um, but yeah, like you said, we specialize in fruit brandy, specifically eau de vie styles of brandy, whole fruit fermentation, uh, right down on the west side. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on. Good yeah, to be here. Thanks for being here. Uh, so... It, if, if you would like to, or I can, if you want to describe uh, and explain the difference between eau de vie and brandy. Yeah, so eau de vie is a style of brandy that stems from, uh, from Europe, from Austria and Germany specifically. Um, using whole fruit fermentation, we usually use everything from the 
pits, the, the stems, the, the skins, it all goes in. And then uh, most eau de vie traditionally is clear, so it's aged in stainless steel opposed to barrel aging. We, we do do some barrel aging. Um, so we, uh, it's, it's a clearer version of brandy in that it's meant to be the purest expression of the fruit itself rather than barrel. Um, so opposed to something like uh, Calvados or um, other big grape brandy producers where, where you will get more of the barrel. We tend towards clear brandy, but about a third of our line is barrel-aged eau de vie. Uh, I'm, I've been excited to watch your barrel-aging uh, increase. Yeah, I brought three, three barrel-aged and one clear this time, oh, so right. we're, we're changing it up. Awesome. Uh, so eau de vie literally translates to water of life. And capturing the expression, uh, like Peter said, the spirit of the fruit that uh, that you want to highlight. So we're starting with uh, the pear. Yeah, we can dive right in. Um, so we we do a pear brandy. Our our flagship is cheers. Yeah, cheers. We'll do a cheers before we get too far into this. Yeah, we'll take. One step back, we our flagships are, are apple and grappa. That's where we started before we moved into pear, cherry, plum. Um, but the, the pear, I think, is a, is a great place to start when talking about eau de vie because I think it is a really pure expression of the fruit. Uh, we use all Williams or Bartlett pear. Um, pears in our, our pear brandy, and I think it's, it's a great expression of that fruit. And you, like, you take your first sip, you just feel like you're in an orchard, like you're bake, biting into a pear. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it, Seth? I thought it tasted like exactly. I tasted like I was biting into a pear. It tastes um, like a Bartlett pear on top of that. So yeah, it tastes like what it's supposed to taste like. Real, qu- real clean, real f- fresh, real kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are your uh, pears coming from Michigan? Yeah, all coming from Southwest Michigan. We work with one grower um, up there who. Occasionally, he'll source from other growers, but usually it's just from uh, this one older 90-year-old guy who still runs the farm. So we get all of our pears from him. Once or once or twice a year, we'll bring in 20,000 pounds of fruit at a time. Um, and then we'll bring it in. We'll do a three-week fermentation and distill. Right at Ryan Hall. Now, you said you were there for the crush, Ambrosia. What does the crush mean? It's the funnest day ever. Yeah, were you there for a pear mash or I for I was there apples? for an apple. Yeah. yeah, so essentially it's the same thing. They're both pomaceous fruits, so we use all the same equipment that it really shreds up the, the fruit. So for pears, the, our farmer has to sweat the fruit, so he'll leave it out and allow it to become fully ripe off the tree for a few weeks so that it um, reaches its fullest sugar content. Then we'll bring in 20, 20 pounds of 20,000 pounds of pears into the distillery, uh, and we'll process it all in one day. So we'll we'll hand sort through 30 crates or so uh, to pick out any moldy fruit or, or fruit that's that's not quite at peak uh, potential for fermentation. We'll send those through a chopping mechanism that shreds them up, creates this thick slurry mash uh, that has all the juices and everything, in, and we go straight into our fermenters. Okay. Yeah. That sounds yeah sounds fun. Sounds Chop. interesting. It sounds like a lot, too, because you said 20,000 pounds. Yeah, what does 20,000 pounds look like? So if, let's see, we bring in crates that are about four four by four feet and three feet tall, full of pears, and each one of those is 800, seven to 800 pounds. So we'll bring in 
just under 30 of those at a okay. time. So it fills our whole space when we do a full ferment. How do they get them there? Like, I know truck, obviously, but, like, is it, like, an open truck, a closed truck? Yeah, full, like, 50-foot uh, closed truck, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we don't need to do any kind of temperature control because a little bit more ripeness is great for us. It takes a day to get down That's what I was hours. figuring. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that sounds cool. Another thing you said, you said right on the west side. So, you mean, where is where's Ryan Hall located at? We're at Damon and Fulton, so right over by by Goose Island, the United Center. We're we're three blocks, three big city blocks up from the United Center. Okay, so yep, on the west side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of a weird area where where we don't really have a neighborhood name. We're kind of like in between the West Loop and Garfield Full Park. Yeah, so yeah. I'm always like, well, just call it the West Side. Yeah, yeah it's a, it, there is a name, but I would need my map, and now I'm letting myself down. So yeah, <laughs> I just I just wanted to. My favorite things to do in podcast podcasting is giving myself homework. So yeah. I'll, I'll find out. I'm sure we have a out. neighborhood name. Yes. And somebody, hopefully somebody reach out to us and let us know what it is. We'll figure yeah. it out. No worries. Or where you work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing I love about this pear is not only are you getting pear, pear skin, uh, pear flesh, you're also getting this nuanced floral component that I've noticed since you've taken over. Yeah. As the distiller. And it's something that I've, I think that you really shine in, in, in pulling out and capturing a lot of the nuance that pear can offer outside of just pear. Nice. Yeah, that, that's awesome to hear. And I, I, I don't think I can take too much credit for it. I think it's the time that, it's, that we're enabling the brandy to sit. Uh, you know, when we first started, a lot of our, our brandies were quicker turnarounds from distillation to to when we bottle them. Now we have a little bit bigger inventory, so we can really let that brandy age for nine months, a year. We, we've got some in stock that, that is getting a little bit older, and that time really does enable both, um, well, a number of chemical changes in the spirit itself, but just kind of a cohesion of molecular bonds and... Uh, the ability for that spirit to really come into its own. Okay. Now, I have a question. What makes a brandy a brandy as opposed to any other alcohol or spirit that we may have? It's got to be made from fruit. That's it. Just made from fruit. fruit. Of the fruit. You know I with fruit. Okay. So, grape brandy exists. Cognac, Armagnac, uh, Spain, all of it. Okay. Yeah, and generally when you hear brandy, people are often referring to grape brandy. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, so. Plum? Yep. Slivovitz. We make what? plum brandy. Two of, two of the <laughs> We like this game. Let's go. I, I know. That's what I'm saying. Because I, I, I keep trying to name fruit that are kind of like the same consistency of, of you know, when you think of a pear. Um, grape, so pe- just because I thought of that. A pear is a, is a palm fruit. Okay. Um, which Peter used an awesome word a little bit earlier. Referring to palm fruit, palm fruit is orchard-based typically. So you have pears, apples, quince, and medlars. Okay. I don't even know what a medlar is. I don't know you what a medlar is. You have to sweat a medlar. <laughs> have yeah. you ever worked with them? No. Yeah, we, we we could digress on so many We've things We've got a project right out of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. I only know quince from, um, what's that movie? White Man Can't Jump. <laughs> And that was <laughs> one of the answers when um, the girlfriend was on Jeopardy and she was like, what does a quince? So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a bunch of fruit nerds in here today. This is, this is going to be great. What about nectarine? 
too acidic. Too yeah, acidic. We've, we've never done anything with nectarine. No peach. We've done a peach brandy before I before I started. Okay. It's, yeah, it's cool. It's it's unique. I it's not my favorite. Not your favorite, but no. it's it's interesting. Yeah. Mango. We've done mango. Mango. Done mango. Yeah. That's a cool one. We've done banana. Banana. Um, I I I think I purchased like five bottles of that banana. Yeah. But that would be good with like bananas foster, wouldn't it? Isn't that how you make I that? Just make brandy. I just no, because then <laughs> that requires you to light it on fire, and that's not happening. Okay. <laughs> Got it. I understand. We're okay. It first. I have, a, I, have a, I have a question, um, and um, we're Sav, you're probably going to want us to break this down. But my question is: Is uh, do you have to worry about a lot of malolactic with pears because of the high citric acid content? You and know, does that affect distillation? It doesn't affect the distillation, to my knowledge. I think we go through a certain degree of malolactic, uh, but our fermentation time is three weeks, so it's not like we're letting it sit for six months. We're not. We're hitting primary fermentation, and for the most part, going through that right into distillation. Uh, I think if we did longer ferments, we would run into a lot more malolactic, um, but it's not something that I think is a big part of our profile. Cool. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, I, it doesn't come out, but I, I didn't know how malolactic would express in a in a distillate versus just a fermentation. Yeah, and I'm not sure either. Uh, it would be really cool to do a side by side with these spirits. Um, and let our ferment go for a long time just for uh, the sink of our tank turnaround and um, keeping it, it fresh. We, we, we do three-week ferments. We don't do temperature control on our tanks, so I think we'd run into some more issues. Um, yeah, we really haven't experimented with really long ferment times. So for the layman, <laughs> you got to let me go. know, let what, us mal- know. <laughs> what malolactic is. Yeah, it's Am I even saying it properly? Malolactic. I'm not deeply familiar with malolactic because we don't uh, do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but usually it's the secondary fermentation after primi- primary fermentation. And it's technically not even a fermentation. It's a transfer of acid to acid. Yeah, so what happens is the uh, acid converts to a different type of acid and if Charles McConkle is listening to this I apologize because it is not as scientific as he could get on it but basically what you're having is uh if if you think of lactic milk yes that's what I was thinking citric citrus malice malic acid apples um grapes have tartaric uh uh, sacinic is what you're getting in sake. There are different forms of acids. Oh, wow. And so with this conversion, with a malolactic, it's going to bring on more buttery notes. Uh, okay. Uh, more of a, more of a, a milk feel. Okay. Yeah. And you can taste it clearly in ciders, um, but it would be really interesting to do a side-by-side of brandies and see if it comes through in a different way. Sure it does, but probably not nearly as, as present. Right. Okay. Well, we have four bottles sitting here. We only got one down. Let's, let's try... <laughs> couple of the other ones yeah so i brought a pair to start with i figured after that we could move into one of our uh one of our flagships the oak aged apple brandy which is now the reserve apple brandy good old ttb restrictions changing changing the game get me started yeah it's it's a little obnoxious so we got had to change a lot of our labels but uh let's see yep here we go those are the those are the sounds that we want to hear right (laughs) right in you finished the pair yes i'm Ready. Thank you. I gotta finish mine. So, reserve apple brandy. Um, thank you. 
We, yeah, we started with clear stainless steel aged apple brandy and then started barrel aging. Um, I think we put out our first reserve apple brandy within our first year of opening. So it was a young spirit. Now we're getting into older spirits where this blend has barrels up to three years. Uh, so it's still young, but this is an eight barrel blend of one to three year, both toast and char barrels. Uh, all, all 25 gallons, so we're not in the big 53 gallons at this point. Um, but all apples from Michigan. Smells. We're going to toast again for it. Cheers. Okay, cheers. Uh, so if you could talk a little bit about why you're using smaller barrels versus larger barrels and how that affects the spirit. Yeah. Well, first, we're a, we're a younger distillery. Um a lot of younger distilleries will start with smaller barrels, both because of inventory. We're not producing a mass amount of, of brandy right off the still in the first couple of years. So we can fill smaller barrels and we can get age in our spirit in a shorter amount of time compared to 53 gallon barrels, which you'll see with a lot of bigger, both brandy brands and whiskey producers as well. Um, so we were able to age a little bit quicker. Um, the, the surface area, is larger with the spirit itself, so you're able to have more interaction with the spirit and the wood compared to a larger barrel. Um, there's also more exposure for the amount of spirit in that barrel with, with oxygen through the pores of the wood, so we're able to, to age this spirit a little bit quicker. Um, however, it is a little bit more rough around the edges than 53-gallon barrel aging, and we, we are starting to fill some 53s. We've only got five in our rickhouse right now, whereas we have uh, 50 or 60, 25 gallons at the moment, so. A rickhouse is a place that you store barrels. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let me hear, I was, you must have saw the puzzled look on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Uh, this is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's it gets better every year. Yeah. I'm really Tenier. excited about this. Yeah, this is the biggest barrel blend we've done. Uh, since I've been there in the past four years, we did Five barrel blend, six barrel blend, seven barrel blend, and now we're on an eight barrel blend. So it's it's cool to be able to bring out some more of the nuance of the different barrels with bigger blends, um, and and have some longer aging. So this is this is probably the oldest that we've released so far. So you yeah, can taste one to it. three years. I'm I'm pumped, man. I'm so pumped about this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, what question? Oh, uh, where do you get your cooperage? Kelvin Cooperage. Okay. In, um, forgetting the town they're in, but they're in Kentucky. Yeah, they're pretty big. Yeah. Now, what is cooperage? Barrels. Yes. Barrel production. Oh, that's those are the barrels. Did you guys say that already and I missed it? No. I don't think so. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then you both looked at me like, that's something you're supposed to know. Barrels. <laughs> we just said that. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, so cooperage refers to the, the cooper, the, the person that used to that would be the profession. And uh, actually, uh, side note from Brandy with Cooperage, um, the reason that bourbon, one of the laws, is that it has to be aged for a minimum of two years in new American oak container mm -hmm. was to save Cooperage jobs. Oh, okay. Just like really? how you eat, f yeah, just fish how you on eat Friday. Fridays. Uh, fish on Fridays, yeah. exactly. Nice. It was to save the fishermen. Love that. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yep. Learn something new. Yeah. With so that. I was. Can I see the bottle? Yeah. I just want to read it. 
And uh, for you folks at, at, at home, in your car, uh, we'll, we'll post in the show notes and uh, on the website uh, photos of Reinhold, where to get it, um, who sells it, Fountainhead Market sells it, shameless plug. Love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the, the packaging, I adore it, mostly because there's a, there's a bike wheel on it. Now, let me describe what the bottle looks like for our listeners. We have... It says Ryan Hall. We have a barrel. We have what looks like a flame, or or, or is that a fruit? It's a flame. Yeah, it's a well, flame. There's, there's a. It's a barrel, a flame, a bicycle wheel, a fruit, an apple, and then a bottle. Yeah, so the, the apple's on there too. Okay. Um, which to kind of explain the label a little bit more, uh, the history of Ryan Hall comes from our our owners Charlie and Jenny Solberg, who. Charlie, they're, they're a father-daughter team, and Charlie originally learned distillation in Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he was playing hockey, hockey over there, he learned distillation and then brought those skills back to the U.S. and started doing distillation, making eau de vie in his backyard with uh, an exercise bike. They would, they would oh. chop the apples, so they hooked it up to a chopper that would crank that makes a sense. Uh, crushing device. So somebody would get on the bike pedal the bike and it would crush the apples to make the mash. Yeah. So kind of the origin story started with the bike and then got our our barrel flame for distillation and uh, and the apple itself. And the apple itself. I'm with that. Um now this says this is batch number fifteen, product of Chicago handcrafted family owned distillery. hundred percent distilled from apples. Right. Um, can I read the Ryan Hall story? Is yeah, okay have at it. All right, the Ryan Hall story. An Austrian experience in the 70s was the seed that grew into a family and friends dream to produce local spirits. The distillery is owned and operated by Charlie and Jenny, a father-daughter team. Our special recipe and process was developed by Charlie and Stan the Man with help from both sides of the Atlantic. We hope you enjoy our traditional spirits as much as we do. And we have the website here, www.ryanhall.com. And in the back of the bottle, well, the other side of the bottle, the majority of the fruit sourced from local farms in the Great Lakes region. Fruit mass distilled and bottled by Ryan Hall. Small batch production made with custom German steel. Fruit brandies balanced with pure Lake Michigan water. Spirits are free of starch or grain additives. Pretty awesome. Oh, and we have a picture of the bike that the bike and the barrel that was just shown to me. And we're gonna try and get that up on the website as well. So that's all really cool. Wanted to point out those intricacies. Yeah. I've I the bike was before my time, so I've I've never actually pedaled the thing to make the mash, but hey, it looks cool. It does look cool. Cool. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Batch number fifteen. Yeah, so that's our our, our blend batch number fifteen. The uh, apple batches that went in, into this are anywhere from 40 to 60. So we've, we've done, or no, 40 to 70, 70 different apple mashes. Um, but this is our 15th batch of, of blended apple brandy. Okay. Well, walk us through to the next bottle. Yeah, so these are two, two other barrel-aged spirits that are actually part of uh, a program that we just started called the Sippers Club, where we're starting to highlight individual barrels. So instead of doing larger blends, which we do for both our barrel-aged spirits and some of our clear spirits, we're starting to pull out individual barrels for this program called the Sippers Club, which I'll show you the label here. Uh, has the, the details of the barrel, the one. age, the, uh, the ABV, 
Um, Plum brandy and barrel number seven, three year, two months. Yes, we'll start with this of the two. I brought both one from a char char barrel, second use, three year aged plum brandy, and then one from a toast, first use, two year aged plum brandy. Listen to those sounds. That that sounds love it. Phenomenal. Uh, so, are you doing single barrel plum brands? <laughs> I didn't even tell you. Cause you want, I'd like to buy a barrel. Yeah. Hey, let's talk. Uh, no, for real. Okay, great. We uh, <laughs> our our inventory is slowly growing, but you know, part of part of these these blends that we're doing, we'll we'll find some brandies that are are really great for blending, and some that are really great, you know, right by themselves. And we want to kind of highlight some of those. All right. Well, just plum brandy. Let's give it a let's give it a whirl here. Cheers. Yes, like like I mentioned, this is a, a char barreled second use. So we aged this first for for one year or no, it, I think two years, and then we aged it for we filled it back up again with a different batch of plums and aged it for three years and two months. So it's forty five percent blend of Stanley and Castleton bl- plums went into this. Yeah, I can taste a distinct difference between the apple and the and the plum, um, and the pear for that yeah. matter. And it smells, oh man, it smells just like it tastes. It it is it's not as tangy to me as the um blended. The blended had a lot of tang in it. It was it, it, I'm I'm not I'm not I don't want to say that like it's a bad thing. It was a good thing, but it had that bite that kind of gets you in the back of your Back of your jaw. Yeah. That kicks you in the squirters. Yeah, in the squirters. <laughs> yeah. And you know there's five extra percent in here, so it, it gets you on the the bite as well. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well for for this last Sippers Club, which we were doing it quarterly, we did these two plum brandy barrels, another plum brandy barrel that was heavier on the char, and then we did a, a pineapple brandy uh, out of a single barrel as okay. well. Okay. That sounds interesting as well. Those it's like you got to try every fruit. I mean, you have to try every fruit. Taste the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Taste the rainbow. I like it. I like it. Uh, Northman favorite was the cherry. Your cherry brandy was was killer. Yeah, I love the cherry. It's a good one. The, uh, the past two years, we haven't produced nearly as much due to the harvest being negatively impacted by the weather. Oh, my God. Can we please talk about that for a second? This is devastating. Yeah. The frosts that are coming right now, this is a big deal. We're, we're, we're here to listen. Uh, so everything bloomed a little bit early, uh-huh. and and then everything's chilling down pretty quickly. And so we're seeing some devastation from crops. I was talking to my orchardist buddy out in New Hampshire today, and, like, it's in France you can see these photos in the vineyards of folks that just, like, laying out fires to try and keep the frost away from the buds. Because once they bud and they get a frost, then the, the bud dies, and that bud is what the fruit is. Right. Uh, so we're seeing... That climate changes. Oh, we have a good picture of it. Fear of frost damage from the French vineyards. Yeah, okay. So it's an article about it. Maybe we'll see if we can get a link to go along with that to bring some awareness to the subject. Absolutely. Uh, But, yeah, climate changes, it's really kicking everyone in the teeth this year. Michigan's getting affected hard. Yeah, which, you know, we would would love to produce some more, a larger batch of cherry brandy this year. But the past past two years has been a little bit lower than what we usually do. So I'm I'm hopeful we can. But we're... Still kind of TBD. We'll check in with our the farmer that we get our cherries from in the next couple of weeks and see where it's sitting. Where do you, you don't have to tell me the, the farm, uh, but where-ish 
in the mitten. Are you getting your cherries? Same area, southwest Michigan. Southwest. Yeah, pretty much apples, pears, plums, cherries, apricot. When we've done that, it's all been from southwest Michigan. And for the folks of you out there that do not know about the mitten, Michigan <laughs> looks like a mitten. And in order to tell where you are in Michigan, you hold your hand up, and then you point to your mitten on where it is. I'm from Ohio, so <laughs> don't give a for the whole state of Michigan, the whole state of Michigan, the whole state is this of Michigan. A, is this a sports reference? It is a sports reference. Yeah, it's over my head. Well, now you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a whole song. Yeah. It's a whole mood. Out. No, I'm not out. Michigan is Michigan is Michigan is great. Michigan's cool. There's a lot of good stuff there. Come with me to Michigan. Oh no, I don't have a problem with with Michigan at all. It, it was a just a sports joke. I got I, I got to represent where I'm from. Absolutely. I got I got I got <laughs> to talk about Peter, it. Peter, where are you from? Uh, Minnesota. All right, kind Midwest. Of. Yeah. Lots of apples was, there. Yeah, up there through high school. Yeah. That's what I was about to. I was going to say, how long have you been here in Chicago? 11 years now. Oh, okay. I'm about the same time. Yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, that's cool. What you're here doing is phenomenal. I mean, just I'm always amazed by Ambrosia, number one, but the people that she knows and their knowledge of the spirits that they're into as well. It's just you guys are like speaking a different language to me, and I love that. I want everyone to be able to understand how important that you guys' jobs is. I mean, pretty much you're in entertainment. You're in the entertainment industry, if you ask me. <laughs> because when things go bad, you guys go up. So It's true. Kind of. Sales went down after the inauguration. Hard. We saw a serious drop-off after the inauguration this year. Yeah. People stopped drinking yeah. <laughs> as much as they were. It's. I feel like it's bad, not necessarily for craft spirits being more expensive. You know, even myself, I, I tend to buy. You know, when times are are rough, maybe not the most expensive craft spirits. <laughs> so coming back a little bit. So, and ninety percent of our our sales are to bars and restaurants. So having those closed was definitely a big cut for us. Yeah, that makes a right so makes a lot of sense. So now we got to amp you up so people can know to just walk in and buy brandy on the spot. There you go. It's brandy on the spot. Um, I, we need to explore that. I'm going <laughs> to write that one down. Uh, but but something that I do want to touch on is is why are you so expensive? Cuz it cuz it is. If you if you get a bottle of Calvados, you're looking at 30 bucks, 40 bucks for a really good one. Uh, you can, I mean, you can pay up to like $200 for a bottle of Calvados. Calvados is, uh, apple brandy from Normandy, France. Okay. But your, your products are, are quite pricey. Yeah. I mean, first. Worth every penny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> every penny, but, but. In, in relation to other spirits, fruit itself is incredibly expensive compared to grain, compared to sugar. So as, as a brandy producer, it, it is so much more expensive to, Produce brandy. There's about 25 pounds of apples in in this bottle here that have gone into that. Wow. Uh, similar for the other fruit as well, um, but also we're we're a small craft distiller. You know, we're not we're not a large house. We we have a 250 liter Holstein pot still, which is pretty small compared to any large producer that is going to have a 20, you know, 2,000 liter pot still or 20,000 liter. So, pot. what does 250 liters look like for our listeners at home? Yeah, um, it's about four feet wide, 
10 feet tall. Okay. It's a pretty small still compared okay. to any large, large producer. Now, we keep saying expensive. Um, what's expensive? How much? So these, we sell these, well, we sell our pear brandy. I want to say it's it's right around $50, 50, 52. Uh, our reserve spirits are a little bit higher, so 56, 58. And okay. Then, yeah, the three seven fives are in the 30 range as well. Okay. That I mean, for... <coughs> Pardon me, for such a well distilled and well presented spirit, I don't think that's expensive. But I spend money on stupid stuff. I, so. <laughs> this is not a stupid purchase. I agree. I I I wouldn't even bat an eye at paying. I would pay well over that to have this experience. Yeah, because the aromas that are coming off of this, the uh, like this, it tastes. It smells like plum. Yeah, it tastes just like it, it presents like what it says it is. And then the fact that you are buying from a locally owned and operated distillery is pretty awesome to me in my book. That's kind of who we like to promote here. And the only brandy distillery in, for a while. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of other Midwest distilleries who will do brandy, um, but not specifically Brandy, I know there's Dampfwerk up in Minneapolis that does some really oh, cool similar stuff as us. Love to get them uh, the but as far as the Midwest, I'm not sure that there's any other specifically Odevi producers. Um, Copper and Kings. Copper and Kings, but yeah, and then yeah. they do like grape, larger, yeah. larger batch. That's a so, different story. Yeah. <laughs> so those two are the same, or are they? Uh, are they're they different. They're they're different barrels. So this this first one that we're drinking right now is a charred mm-hmm. barrel, second use charred barrel that saw three years of age. Uh, and it, I th- thought it was cool to do a contrast with this next one, which is a toast barrel. So it was a similar batch of, of plum brandy that went into it, not the same. Uh, it saw a little bit shorter aging, but it's a first-use barrel rather than a se- second-use barrel, so it gets a little bit more extraction from the wood, but a different kind of barrel. So rather than a char barrel, it's a toast barrel, um, which you need longer time in to to have some of that deeper maturation. So... With this, there's still some more of the the, f- the funkiness of the fruit itself. A little bit more bright, wow. overripe plum. That My I think is getting blown right is, now. Is really cool to try side by side. And then even to mix them together and see how they blend. Because our most recent blend of plum brandy was these two, another deeper char barrel. Um, Different proportions and, and ratios than a one to one for these three, but I think it's really cool to try side by side blending. Yeah, the toasted barrel gives you more of a refined aroma, definitely more austere and definitely more cohesive with the barrel. So, uh, just to break it down real quick, uh, uh, so when you talk about putting things in barrels, what you're doing is you're lighting the inside on fire, and uh, I can put up a video of that because. Uh, watching a barrel get torched is, is really fun. Uh, but so it depends on how much you're torching the inside. And what you're doing is that you are cooking the wood tannins. And uh, the more charcoal that you have, the, the higher the burn on the barrel, the more um, filtering is going to happen. So if you think of like your Brita filter, it's full of charcoal. The more charcoal that you have, the cleaner it's going to come and the less wood tannin influence you're going to have on it. Now, depending on how much fire you add to it, it it opens up the pores in a different way. And what a barrel does is it it allows the product to breathe and to live and to age and interact with those wood tannins and those oxygens. um, And your final product is going to be 
directly affected by how toasted that barrel is. So when we're saying char barrel, you're talking about it being lit on fire forever. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about a toasted barrel. It's just like a little kiss of a fire. I'm with that. Yeah, it's amazing the, the amount of ch- change there is in the spirit between a toasted yes, barrel and a char. Yes, that's what I was going to say. It tastes totally different. And even for my layman mouth, <laughs> it tastes totally different. Um, I also just realized that I just explained fire to you. Which is kind of offensive. It is quite. I just mansplained fire to you. It's quite all right. I'm not offended at all. Okay. Not even a little bit. <laughs> With that being said, so we had, we, we did the blend, we did the mix, mix the two of ourselves together. Um, we'll start with you, Ambrosia. Which one was your favorite overall? I don't think that things belong in barrels in general. I'm warming up to the barrel, uh, but I I was at Whistlepig with the, the distiller, and I was like, why? I, I tasted the new make, and I was like, why'd you put this in a barrel? He's like, <laughs> Thank you. Somebody gets it. I don't understand why people put things in barrels. I'm coming around to it, so obviously the Eau de Vie, the, the, the clear spirit, is going that was, to be my favorite. Yeah, that was my favorite, too. Um, it just tasted the cleanest and most refreshing. Um, and to be honest with you, when I think of brandy, I've never thought of clear. I always think of brandy as having like that. Uh, it's a brown spirit. It has that tint to it. But again, that's just me not knowing enough about. That's what we're <laughs> yeah, here we, for. Spirits. We deal with that every day. And that's area. what we're here for. Yeah. Exactly. That's what the show is about. Um, we're trying to explain a little bit more to people that are like me. Don't know much. <laughs> you know, you know more than you know. Uh, I do. I, I, so just to speak to each of these bottles distinctly, this pair is a fucking beautiful expression. Thank you. Yeah, I love it as well. This is the best barrel aged apple that I've had from Ryan Hall, hands down. And I am so excited to see it as yeah. the years come. Like, it's every year. It's just it blows me away. These plum iterations, I adore the fact that you're experimenting and really kind of like getting into the brandy aspect. I like getting them into the barrel. Getting into those barrels. I, I love them for different reasons. I, I I appreciate the charcoal for the plum. And I appreciate the toasted for the the barrel aspect. Also, a lot of problems that I have with American barrel-aged brandy is that the bar- the barrel is way too heavy-handed. Yeah. If you can taste the barrel, I'm not interested. This is getting to be a really good balance. I'm 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 massively impressed. Yeah, and it, it's hard to find that balance and it can it can change, you know, due to so many different reasons that I am not even sure of. You know, this we had the same batch of plums going into two different barrels of of charred barrels 25 gallons and they'll come out entirely different they're in the same place whatever those factors are that go into the aging and having one be see much more deeper maturation without strictly char and oak uh but just development and maturity uh to make a more like harmonious and complex spirit compared to ones that just take the barrel and you know become an oak bomb right uh we're figuring it out. We're, we're a young distillery, so yeah. How well, do they work? While you're figuring it out, you're doing an outstanding job. This in my is outstanding. Opinion. This yeah, this this is, great. is fantastic. I'm I'm so impressed. 
I, Thanks for yes, drinking. Yes, I am too. I I love it. Um, well, usually this is around the time I ask if you have anything to say, anything to add, but it seems like you've added and said everything. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have that opportunity here. Ambrosia, um, same thing goes for you. It seems like you've said and added everything you could. Anything else? Um, I, yeah, I do have a question. Um, do you pit the plum before you go, and do you do full-in fruit on the on the maceration and the the fermentation? We we don't pit them, but we use uh, European style plums, which are freestone rather than clingstone. So the the stone <sighs> separates easier than if you were to use a like a Japanese or, or Mirabelle or different kind of plum that is, I think a Mirabelle plum is a clingstone, but they- Have Clear Creek's Mirabelle? I have, it's fantastic. It's so good. Mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, um, but we, we use a plum where the, the pit it separates pretty naturally in our process. We send it through a rubber auger where the flesh separates from the pit. So a lot of our pits will just naturally sink uh, and we can pump off the top and not have those go into our still. We do ferment over them, uh, but they're they're not broken for the most part. For the most part, they're they're whole pit in the mash. And that's going to help. So uh, the reason I'm asking Severin is because um, p- uh, any sort of stone fruit pit is actually it gets you a nutty flavor. Mm-hmm. Our Moretto is actually made from stone fruit pits, uh, and I don't get any sort of almond. Armoretto kind of vibe on that. Yeah, some of some of it's heavier than others, and the other the other plum brandy char barrel uh, is kind of heavier in that almond quality, um, and that that is yeah from the benzaldehyde in the nut that naturally comes out, and you do want a certain amount of that. So breakage of some stones is good. You don't want them all to break because uh, concentrations of that can be both very bitter and not good for you. Um, but a certain amount of the release of that benzaldehyde is very good for a spirit. So we're, we're trying to include some of that, uh, and we look for it, and I think it's more present in our stainless steel-aged plum compared to our barrel-aged plum that, with all of the quality of the barrel, uh, I think loses, covers it up a little bit, but uh, we're trying for it. Uh, I'm talking about it within a balance, right? Yeah. Uh, as long as it's not distracting. Uh-huh, exactly. it, I mean, it's yeah. there, but it's not... Yeah, you don't want it to be the first thing that you taste or smell. Taste almond brandy. You want to taste plum brandy. <laughs> exactly, and I think that you've nailed that balance. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm overly impressed, Peter. I appreciate which it. Which is, I, I, I feel like all of my friends that will listen to this, because at this point it's just my friends listening to this, <laughs> will be running out to get Ryan Hall because I rarely give. <laughs> Of a five out of five. Well, come Rarely. by. I'm I'm usually there nine to five. Come knock on the door. I'll I'll drink some brandy with you. Yeah. So how can folks get Ryan Hall? Is it? Can you go in? How How's your yeah. COVID operation working? Um. So we we are open as a retail shop Monday through through Friday. Um, ten to six are our listed hours. I'm usually there nine nine to six or so, uh, if you're in the area. But we we do retail during the week. Our bar is open. Now it's open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, I'm forgetting your exact hours. Uh, it's kind of been in flux, but weird times. Congratulations. Understandable. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we we sell out of our tasting room. Uh, we're in most binnies around the city and a number of, of liquor stores, but I'm not sure it, which exact ones, how COVID has affected different stores. So. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, go visit Ryan Hall. Come by. It's an amazing space, and I love your drinking vessels as well. Yeah. Well, shooters. 
Yeah. And you can see when you walk into Reinhall, you can actually see the entire setup. Uh, it's, it's all glass behind the back bar and you can see the distillation happening. Uh, it's, it's, this is literally fruit to glass. Completely transparent. Can't wait to visit. Yeah, yeah. come by for a chop. Okay. We start cherries in July, so okay. and we'll be back into the full harvest season. Okay. It sounds sounds like a plan. Sounds like I'll be there. <laughs> so let us know what you think. Let us know what libation you think we should dive into next. Please comment, ask questions, anything at all, and you can reach us at designated drinkers podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's designated drinkers podcast at gmail.com on instagram we are at the designated drinkers podcast on twitter we're at drinkers podcast um we still have yet to get a couple of the other ones up but we're gonna get there you you have to have those I, uh, ambrosia's thumbs down and but you, if you're gonna be social you got to be all the way social i mean i just got on tiktok two days ago okay well we'll be there at one point as Man. well once we get the team together but remember again if you want to look for our podcast the name of it now is the original designated drinkers the og dd and with that being said we can't wait to talk to you next time and we can't wait to get that feedback from you so on that note i'll say goodbye ambrosia thank you thank you peter of course pleasure to be here thanks for having me yeah all right see you guys next time bye